God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise this morning, God. God, you are good. And we give you praise. We give you thanks. This, <clears throat> this week has been a week of just being thankful and being grateful for what we have, God. And I just am so thankful for you and what you've done in the life of this church, God. And as we, as we go forward this morning, I pray that you would, you would speak through me once again this morning, that the words that are coming out of my mouth would be your words and not my words, God, that they would be your words for your people on your day, God. We, we want to hear from you. We love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I kind of just, just, uh, just wanted to push pause before we get into the Advent season. We've come a long way this year. We've kind of been on, on a journey together this year as we've been uh, going through different series and different things, and it's been a quite a year. God has, God has been really good to us here at Fresno First Church this year, and I just, I want to just push pause and be thankful together for all that God has done in our lives and thankful for the journey that God has taken us on. You know, so far, even just in our weekend services, we've we started off this year talking about the reason for God, that series that we did, just answering the big questions about God. Who is God? What is the Bible? Why should I, why should I trust it? Why would a loving God allow suffering? Some of these, these major questions that we have and needed to answer, we, we talked through some of those, and, and then we moved from there into leading up to Easter, talking about the journey, journey to the cross, talking about Jesus' journey as he's making his way to Jerusalem to, for our Easter celebration. And then after Easter, we talked about the gospel. What is the gospel? What do we live for? What do we, what do we know? What do we believe? Am I living it? What is the gospel? Am I living the gospel? We spent our summer in the Psalms, which was a, just an amazing experience for me, just as we, as we spent our summer just diving into the Psalms and talking about who, again, who is God and how we respond to them, respond to Him. We spent some time talking about holiness and how to pursue holiness. We spent some time talking through the, the stories in Scripture of people who, who lived it out. People, who, who people like, like, like Joshua and some others who just who lived out their faith, who lived this life of, of holiness, if you will, that we were talking about in the journey. And we're about to jump in to this Advent series just called A Thrill of Hope. As we, we look at the hope that comes with Jesus as he comes, as we celebrate Christmas. And, and I am I'm thankful for, for where God has brought us. I think God has made a difference in many people's lives. I think, God, I think if you look back to, to the beginning of this year, you can be thankful as well for what God has been teaching you and showing you and how he's been growing you. And so I, I want to be thankful together this morning for the difference that God has made in our lives, some of the decisions that we have made. There's been many people who have been baptized, many people who have had sort of a sort of awakening in your lives. And I'm just I'm thankful for, for these fresh ways that God is making himself known in our midst. I'm, I'm thankful for all of that. And I'm thankful for, for the love of God that pursues us every single day, month after month, day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. We are pursued by the love of God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. But this morning, I, I want to I take a look 
at a passage because I, I think this year, at least for me, I kind of have to take a step back and think, and this has been such a good year. So, so many things have taken place. It feels like we are just sprinting through. But I want to just remind us this morning of a scripture that kind of that we need to go back to in times like this. Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to get there. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 1. This is one of those foundational scriptures for us as believers, I think. If you, if you have your Bible uh, and, uh, and you don't have it underlined or starred or whatever you do in your Bible, I encourage you to do that. If you don't have your Bible and you want to look on with me, it's on page 1041 in our, in our Pew Bibles. Uh, this, is, this Hebrews chapter 12 is one of those foundational scriptures, I think, uh, that we just need to, need to know, need to go back to, and need to kind of understand and put our faith in perspective through, through this lens. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, and if you know anything, we, you know, we'll go back to that in a little bit. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." I think this is an important passage to look at this morning because I feel like uh, many of us in our spiritual lives has been kind of on a sprint. We've been growing, we've been challenged, we've been shaped by the gospel, we've been shaped by the word, and I want us to, to realize that, the, that, that our faith is not always going to be like this. Our faith is not always a sprint. There's some, there's some truths in this passage about our faith that I want to just talk about this morning. I think the first one is this, is our faith, uh, there's a foundational truth in here, our faith has a goal. We have a goal in our faith. Right? We, this imagery that, that the author here of Hebrews uses is about a race. Let us run this race. It, no one runs a race for nothing. No one races to nothing. No one races for nothing. A race means that there is, there is somewhere to go. No one races for nothing and no one races to nowhere, right? There is always a goal. There is always something to go to when we race. And, and, and the author here of Hebrews is talking about our faith as a race. Let us run this race. And he uses a big word here, not big necessarily like a 25-cent word, but it's a big word in the context of this, perseverance. Let us run this race with perseverance. We talked a few weeks ago about persistence. Perseverance is, is very similar to persistence, but here's, here's the definition, and here's what it says. Continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. What is the author here saying in Hebrews? I think he's saying this, is that the Christian life is a marathon and not a sprint. The Christian life, our faith, is not a sprint, it's a marathon, it takes some time. There's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some slow times. There's going to be some times where we turn on the burners and we just go. 
But the Christian life is like a marathon and not a sprint. It requires a lifelong dedication to the race. At my first church, when I was fresh out of college, I was youth and youth ministry in Phoenix, Arizona. There was a, a worship pastor there. His name was Rocky. Uh, not R-O-C-K-Y, R-O-C-C-I. It was an Italian name. His name was Rocky. We called him Rocky. He was a, uh, <clears throat> he was a I loved Rocky. I, I still love Rocky. I've lost touch with him, but I love this guy. He used to run marathons, and he would wake up every single morning and just run. He was always training for a marathon. There were, there were rarely times when I knew him there that he was not training for a marathon, and he would wake up, and he would just run. I remember one time he came to breakfast. He picked me up for breakfast, and he had already run 18 miles that morning, and he was picking me up for breakfast, and I was like, man, this is... You're crazy. Why do you do this every single day like this? And he said, I, it's, just, it's a lifelong dedication to the race. That's what it takes to be a marathon runner. It's a new commitment every single day. You wake up, I'm going to run today. He said, there are days where I wake up and I just can't wait to run. I'm excited to run. The weather's great. I, I, I just, my muscles feel great. I'm just ready to go. I'm, just, I'm excited to go. And there are mornings when I wake up and, and it's just... Kind of cold outside, or in Phoenix some days, it's already hot outside. And, and I just don't want to run. But it's a commitment that I make every single day to put on my running shoes and to go. It's a lifelong commitment to the race. That's what a marathon expects. That's what a marathon takes. And that's what our faith takes. I think the author here knows that as he's talking about, let us run this race with perseverance. This perseverance is what it takes. It's not, just a, it's, not an, it's not necessarily an easy race all of the time. It takes dedication. It takes a, a commitment. Every single morning we wake up to say, you know what, I, I might not feel like living out my faith today, but you know what, I'm going to put on my shoes anyways and I'm going to go. There are going to be mornings where we wake up and, and maybe there's morning where God wakes us up and we're just so excited to, to pray and we're excited to get to know him a little better. We're excited to just go and to live our faith. There is going to be mornings like that, but there will also be mornings when you wake up and just say, I don't know if this is for me today. But in that moment, it's the commitment, the perseverance to be able to say, I'm in. I want to live it out today. Let us run this race with perseverance. Now, why do we do that? Because we have a goal. Now, we look back, and, and even, in, even in the chapter before, chapter 11, we see all these people who, who ran, and it was, a, it was a commitment for a long time. I mean, Noah was 950 years old when he died. And we're thinking about our lives as, man, that's, that's a long time to live, to live for God. No, 950 years. He lives it out. Abraham was 100 before he even had a kid. It's a long time, but it's a daily commitment to say, I'm in today. We run this race with perseverance. We have a goal. Our goal is to live a life of faith, is to live a life of obedience, to live a life of love, and to hear, in the end, to hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal that we chase. That's what we're after. That's, why, that's, what, that's what we're running the race for. 
a Christian life, our Christian faith, we have a goal. We also, in this Christian life, have an inspiration. Right? Therefore, you know, I was going back there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is how this, this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 starts. Well, let's go back and see what the therefore is there for, right? Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and talk about this great cloud of witnesses that we have that is surrounding us. I mean, there's people like, like Noah in there. Noah, who, who is seen as the, the righteous person on the earth to be able to, to build this ark and to save creation, to save humanity. Noah was seen as this righteous person. Noah lived it out. Noah is an inspiration for us in the way that he lived. We have people like Abraham. Abraham believed that even though he was old and even though he shouldn't be able to have a kid, that God was going to give him this child and that through this child, the promise of God that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars would come true. Abraham is an inspiration for us as we look back and we look at our faith. There's people like Joseph. There's people like Moses and Joshua and the story of Jericho is mentioned in chapter 11. We talked about that story a few weeks ago when we talked about Joshua and the boldness there. All of, the, all of these people are people that we can look back to as inspiration. I want to read just a piece of chapter 11, starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah or about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These are people who lived it so much so that they were willing to die for their beliefs. They were willing to go through persecution. They were willing to go through, I mean, you just read that and you're like, I don't want any of that. They were willing to go through it for their faith because they believed that God is who he says he is. He will do the things he says he will do. They had faith. These people are inspirations to us as we look on our own lives and think about our own faith. We can look back at this chapter. We we lovingly call it the hall of faith, right? We look at our faith and we look at these people's faith and we have an inspiration to say, look, I might, not, I might not feel like today like going towards this goal. It's one of those mornings where I wake up and I feel like I just don't want to do this anymore. But I look back and I look back at the people in our, in our past in Hebrews chapter 11 here. And you can, I mean, any of those stories that I've just read over the last eight weeks in our story series too would fit here. These are inspirations for us. People who, who lived it out. People who, who believed it so much so they were willing to die and give their lives for what they believed in. These are inspirations for us. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. We have a great cloud of witnesses in this book. We also have a great cloud of witnesses even today. I mean, even in this church in the last year, I think of 
Dorothy Clark and Edith Fennell, who are, who are a great cloud of witnesses for us. People who we can look at and say, man, they, they believed. Until the very end, they believed. We have an inspiration. These people have gone before us as examples of, of love and grace and faith. And my hope and my prayer is that someday someone will be able to stand somewhere and say, this person, Chris, he was, he was an inspiration for me. He inspired me in my faith. He lived it out until the very end. He, he believed what he was talking about. We have a goal. We have an inspiration. Unfortunately, we also have a handicap. The author here talks about throwing off everything that hinders. He, he actually talks about two, two different things here. He says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, I want to talk about both of those real quick. Everything that hinders. What is it that gets in between you and God? That is everything that hinders. I, I want you just to think for a moment about the five most important things in your life. And then as you're thinking about that, I want you to also think about this. Does that get in between me and God? Because there might be some things on this list of most important things in our lives that, that get in between God and you, that get in between your relationship with God because God might not be number one on that list. And if he's not, there is something that is hindering you. Let's, let's throw that off, the author of Hebrews says. Let's throw off everything that hinders. And I'm not even saying that those things on your list are bad things. They're probably good things. But if they come in between you and God, they are a hindrance. He says, throw off everything, everything that hinders you. I mean, there's a story in Matthew chapter 19. We know it of the... The rich young ruler is what we call this man. He goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be able to follow you? And Jesus says, you need to do all these things. And he says, I've done all of those since I was little. What what else do I need to do? And Jesus looks at him and he says, I want you to give away everything that you have. And it says that the man walked away sad couldn't do it. There was something in this man's life that was hindering his ability to follow Christ. In his case, it was money, things, material wealth, possessions. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if there is a thing for you, but you do. And I want you to think about that. Is there anything in my life that is hindering me from truly following the way of Christ? It says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I think this this phrase here, the sin that so easily entangles, is such a great way to talk about sin. Because sin really does. It it is something that easily entangles. This is is how sin works. The the very first thing that sin does is it grabs you. It it entangles you. It it just kind of puts this thought in your mind of, wouldn't it be nice if dot, 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 fill in the blank? Wouldn't it be nice? 
that just kind of grabs you, entices you, entangles you. I, I love this word entangles. This is, how, this is the beginning of how sin works. It, it entangles you. Right? And after, after it grabs you, after it has you a little bit, right, we give in and we say, you know what? It would. That really would feel nice to do. I think I'm going to do that. And sin at that point has its claws in you and it just wants to deepen and deepen because the next step is we act and the claws get a little deeper. It's no longer a thought of, yeah, that would be nice. I think I will do that. The claws get a little deeper when we act. And after we act, the sin kind of just holds us down. Claws go in a little deeper. And after that, we begin to feel shame and guilt. And the claws go in a little bit deeper. And when we're feeling shame and guilt, we don't like to talk about anything because we don't want to talk about things we're ashamed of or things we feel guilty of. And so we don't talk about it. We just let it sit. And sin just, just begins to grab us. The author of Hebrews says, let's, let's throw that off. Let's throw off everything that hinders. Let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. And let's run this race with perseverance. Let's throw it off. Let's be done with it. Let's, 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 if there is something that is grabbing you, just, just throw it off. Be done with whatever this is. And run this race. I was thinking this morning, as I was getting ready for this, and I was reminded of a hill that we used to walk up in Lompoc. Uh, and there was a hill. You would drive up to the top of this hill, and then you would get out of your car, and you would walk up another hill. And I remember walking this hill two ways. One with a stroller, and one without a stroller. I can tell you this. Walking up that hill which was a beautiful hill. You get to the top, and, and if it was a clear day and there was no marine there, you could see the ocean. It was just a really cool hill. Walking up that hill with a stroller was so much harder than it was walking without a stroller. You were, I was carrying, or in this case, pushing a little more weight. There was something else holding me down as I was walking up the hill. And I didn't mind. It was my daughter. I don't mind doing that, but it's harder. It gets harder. It's the same in our Christian walk. It just feels like, man, there's just a little extra weight on me. And the author of Hebrews here is saying, let's throw all of that off. Let's throw off everything that hinders, everything that, the sin that so easily entangles. Let's get rid of everything that is holding you down, and let's run this race with perseverance. Let's keep going. Let's, let's go in this race. Let's, let's pursue Christ. Let's pursue the things that God has for you without anything having to hold you down, without anything getting in your way. Let's throw it off. Amen. So we have a goal. We have an inspiration in this book and in real life. We have a handicap, unfortunately. But thanks be to God, we have an example. We have an example in the life of Jesus to look at and say, this is what love looks like. This is what it looks like to live out my faith. This is what life looks like in Christ. This is what love looks like in Christ. This is what it means to give. This is what it means to be generous. This is what it means to care for people. This is what it means to have compassion. I could go on and on and on about the example that we have in Christ about how to live and how to, to run this race, as the author of Hebrews says. We have a, the greatest example in the example of Christ. 
You can't get a better example than the life of Jesus in this book that says that he is the, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith in the NIV. There's other translations I like better, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I like that one so much better. Jesus is the one who wrote the book on how to live the life that he's calling us to live. And not only did he write the book, not only is he the author of that, he's the pioneer, he's the perfecter, he's the one that actually did it and lived it so that we could look at it and say, this is what it looks like to follow Christ. It says to fix our eyes on Jesus. Just to focus on Him. It's like I was saying last week as we were talking about fears and we were talking about all this different stuff. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we, if we can focus our eyes on the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, nothing else and nothing else comes into view. It stays on the periphery. It's a whole lot easier to walk in the ways of Christ. It's when we take our eyes off of the author and the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith, that we begin to get in trouble. That we begin to, to allow sin to entangle. That we allow these hindrances to jump on our backs and to say, it's going to make it a little bit harder. The author of Hebrews says, let's, let's throw all of this off. He says, in light of this cloud of witnesses, look at all these people who have lived it who have taught it. They are examples of how to live. And in light of all of these people, look at how they did it. I want you to throw off everything that hinders, everything that keeps you from living this way, everything that keeps you from living the way that Christ would have you to live. And I want you to fix your eyes on the goal. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Those mornings when you wake up and you think, I just don't know if I could do it today. Consider Jesus who endured the opposition and still for the joy Set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. Here's kind of the, the final word, if you will. Actually, I want to read scripture real quick in Hebrews chapter 4. That kind of drives this point home as to what I'm saying. It says, therefore, and I won't go into that one. Therefore, since we have a great high priest talking about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest. And talking about Jesus. Jesus is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us fix our eyes on this Jesus. Final word this morning is this, that we, we don't run alone. We have a goal. We have an inspiration. Unfortunately, there's a handicap there, but we have an example of how to overcome. But we don't do it alone. We do it together. In community. In the church that Jesus established. 
This is why we gather together. We are all running the race. We are all at different points in this race, but we run together. We're on the same team. We're going the same direction. We're chasing the same goal. And, and finishing this race first doesn't mean that you win and other people lose. We all win when we finish. Every single one of us will win when we finish this race. Every single one of us wins when we hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't run this race alone. We have to keep each other accountable. We have to encourage one another on this road. We are in this together. We don't run alone. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. I think it's just a great passage to talk about our faith in times of discouragement, even in times of joy. Our faith is, is more than just today. It's more than just what happened yesterday. It is to come for the rest of our lives as a daily commitment to say, today I'm going to wake up and I'll run with perseverance. Even when it feels like I don't want to, even though it feels like I don't need to some days, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say yes today. I commit today. Yes today. And we're all together, going to do it together. We run together. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race set before us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's be encouraged in our faith. Let's not lose heart in our faith. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, particularly as we get into Advent and we await the coming of Jesus. We await the coming of the Savior that we fix our eyes on all, all day, every day. We fix our eyes on this Jesus. Advent is about waiting for the coming of this Christ. I'm excited to get into Advent. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks, we give you praise for all you are and all you've done. God, this morning as we look at this passage in, in Hebrews, we're thankful for you, we're thankful for your love. God, we, we are thankful that we have an example in your son, Jesus Christ. To fix our eyes on him. God, I pray this week that we would fix our eyes on Christ. That we would not lose focus that we would not lose sight. And as we enter into the season of Advent next, next Sunday, where we continue to fix our eyes on your Son. And as we await his coming, would we be filled with hope and joy and love and peace. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you do, just let me pray this blessing over you. If you just hold out your hands and just receive this blessing. May our God, a God of grace and love and hope, fill your hearts and fill your minds this week as you go. 
May you be reminded of his love and of his grace. And may you this week fix your eyes on him. And as you are fixed, would he remind you of this example that you are to follow. And as you follow that example, would you make a difference in your community, wherever you may find yourself. Go in peace, go in grace, go in love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for coming.